Rachel, are you able to, did you do a sound check? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Great. Great. Committee members Mueller and Houston did not say they wouldn't be attending, so I believe they'll be here this evening. Oh, and as I said that, they joined us. I just went ahead and made Mueller a uh, panelist. If you'd like to do a mic check, committee member uh, Mueller. Okay, I've unmuted. Uh, I thought I logged in as a panelist, but I'm lucky to be here at all, I suppose. We can hear you just fine. Are you able to turn on your video as well? Oh, great. Is that working? Yes. Great I still you. have my good uh, haircut, so uh, I'm not uh, much to look at. Um, <laughs> I've been doing Zoom for so long that uh, I'm going to have to remember where the uh, settings are. Okay. Um, uh, Madam Clerk, I think uh, member Mercer is calling in. Maybe if we can unmute the calling user, I think that may be her. Hello, committee member Mercer, is that you? It is, and I was on the event and then, oh, now I can hear myself on the computer. And then um, I pressed something and it shot me back and I can't rejoin the event because it says I need to end the first one. Okay, maybe try um, restarting your device or that might okay, help that and might then help. rejoining. I can resend you the invite if that helps. I've got that. I'll, let me restart my computer. Yes, leave event, that'll do it. Okay. Committee member Houston, are you able to hear us? She is unmuted, but I'm not hearing anything from her. I had to turn the volume up on my device, so maybe, maybe if she can hear you, that might be a good suggestion. That's a great suggestion. Um, committee member Houston, right now we cannot hear you or see you. If um, from your side it shows that you 
um, are unmuted and you're trying to speak, we can't hear you. Maybe looking at adjusting your setting. Oh, I can see your laptop now. Remember Houston, we can see kind of your keypad and the floor right now from your video. Oh. Okay, it looks like uh, committee member Houston has indicated that she cannot hear and she thinks she needs to call in. Um, let's see. Committee member Mercer, can you hear us now? See if you can unmute yourself and if we're able to hear you. You're currently still muted. Madam Clerk, could we unmute her and see if she's able to be heard? Yes, uh, yes, one moment. Okay, I've unmuted Mercer. Maybe it's a volume issue. You're unmuted now, committee member Mercer, but we still can't hear you. Are your volume settings up or? Do you want to try calling in?
committee member Houston. Is that the caller that has just joined? Yes. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and mute you at this moment for just a moment. Okay. <clears throat> you can stay on and, and so that you can hear the audio. Okay. What are we doing with member Mercer? I am. Let me look and see. Okay. Uh, she is there. She is unmuted. Member Mercer, are, are you able to hear, hear us? Yes, but we can't hear you. Do you want to try calling in again, member Mercer? And maybe we can take audio. I can send True. you the phone number if you'd like via the chat. Madam Clerk, can we also test uh, Simone Malhotra? She's right now in the audience, but she'll be on the next agenda item. If we could just test her mic. Simone, you want to go ahead and check your mic? Simone, are you able to hear us? Can we do a mic check with you? I could make her a panelist for a few minutes so we can try and work any of that out. Sure. Okay. I'd hate for us to get to the GP item and then we'll have yeah. we're having technical issues. Simran, Sim we've made you a panelist. She is unmuted. Committee Hello? member Mercer, is that you? Yes, it is. Wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and mute you again until we take roll. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Simone, are you able to hear us? Okay. We'll come back to Simone. That's okay. Sure. I can send her a chat. Let's see. That would be great. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Vice Chair Prezell, the staff's here, and I think we've got um, the committee members situated, so we can begin at any time that the committee is ready. Okay. Thank you.
Good evening and welcome to the Thursday, April 22nd regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Yes, committee member Houston. Committee member Houston. All right. Committee member Mercer. Here. 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 <sighs> Committee member Muller. Here. Vice Chair Purzell. Here. Okay, this is the time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who'd like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda? No, not at this time. Great, thank you. Um, we will then move on to our first item, which is a consent item. Um, the approval of the Historic Preservation Committee February 18th, 2021 meeting minutes. Are there any edits or comments to the minutes? I just had one um, in the first bullet here, quote, would like to make sure that when the applicant team develops its design, that the historic character of the, oh no, I'm, excuse me, actually the second bullet here, the applicant team should be careful in selecting building. I believe materials is not supposed to be crossed out to remain true to the era of each building. Can any of the other committee members make sense of this bullet for me? I believe materials is not supposed to be removed. As it reads now, it, it doesn't make too much sense. The applicant team should be careful in selecting buildings to remain true to the era that each building represents. It, it should be, um materials that remain true. Okay. Um, any other, any other corrections to the minutes? Okay. Um, can I please have a motion and a second to approve the HPC February 18th, 2021 meeting minutes as amended? I so move. I'll second, if I believe I can. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Committee member Houston. Yes. Committee member Houston Mercer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Committee member Muller. Yes. Vice chair per Purcell. Yes. Motion is passed. Thank you. Um, we will now move on to the next item on the agenda, which is an informational item. The citywide historic context statement. Is there, we have a staff pre presentation for this? 
Hello, uh, HPC members. This is um, Jared Rosengren, City of Ventura Planning Division Principal Planner. And while uh, staff has just a brief introduction, uh, our historic consultant conserved resources group is here uh, with a brief presentation. It's all right, I'll begin. So uh, thank you. We're here tonight because in December 2019, City Council authorized the initiation of a citywide historic context survey. It consists of two phases. Phase one is uh, being the preparation of the citywide historic context statement. And phase two is a citywide historic survey. Um, staff gave an update to the Historic Preservation Committee on June 3rd, 2020 explained then that uh, though the COVID-19 pandemic had uh, required adjustments to the schedule, how the work was being done, it was still moving forward. The consultant historic resources group out of Pasadena has prepared a draft historic context statement, which has uh, consisted of updating, expanding the city's historic context statements and includes a narrative overview of city's periods of development to provide a framework to conduct the field survey. The draft context statement is attached to staff's memo for your review. Staff is requesting the HPC to provide feedback and comments on the draft document so that the consultant can continue working on the context statement and begin the survey. The consultant is here tonight to share a brief presentation. We want to thank you and are looking forward to HPC's comments. Great, thank you, Jared. Um, do any of the committee members have questions for staff? Sorry, I need to scroll so I can see all of you. I see committee member Houston's hand raised. Go ahead, Anne. I just had a question about the um, conservation overlay zone and whether that's something that the city is using or not. I know that there were some that were designated in the West Side Historic Survey, um, but is that uh, a zoning, a zone that we use here in Ventura and what does it entail? So, uh, we, we don't have, and the closest thing we have is our historic district overlay zone. Uh, the conservation zone or areas were something suggested in the West Side community plan effort in 2011, I want to say. Um, that never, uh, that work effort never got to a completion. So um, we have, we still use that information as a tool, but because it was never adopted, uh, we don't have anything, any specific uh, official layers, such as conservation areas in the city. Does that answer your question, Anne? Do any of my other committee members have questions of staff? Dina, I cannot hear you. Um, 
I just have to. I'm, can you hear me now? Okay, I was just, uh, if you could clarify timelines and different areas. Yeah, I had the same question. I was curious um, for staff, the main question I have is what is the timeline for finalizing this document? So, sorry, Jared, if I could jump in. If, if um, since this isn't an, an item with an applicant and it's informational, um, we can ask answer questions throughout and maybe more helpful um, after the consultants go through their presentation because they're going to touch on schedule and where they're at and outreach. And so some of these questions might be answered through their presentation. And then we're happy uh, collectively to answer any questions we haven't done through the presentation at the end. Would, would that be okay if we do that? Because I think some of this information is in their slide. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would work for me as long as that, as that works with everyone else. So um, if there are no other pertinent questions for staff, we can move on to our uh, presentation. Thank you so much, committee members. Um, we have historic resources group here to give the presentation from the consultant team that we've we've uh, brought on board to assist with this. Um, I'm just going to hand it over to you if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves that are um, here tonight and and start the presentation. That would be wonderful. Uh, great, thank you very much. And uh, before we get started, I just want to confirm that there's someone on the city's end who's running the slides. So we should just indicate when we're ready to move forward. Is that right? Yes, I'll okay. be I'm running the presentation. So just feel free to let me know when you want to advance. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, thank you to staff and thank you to the Historic Preservation Committee. Um, I'm Christine Lazaretto from Historic Resources Group. I'm here with my colleagues, Sian Winship, who is the lead author of the Historic Context Statement, and Carrie Fowler, who is managing the fieldwork component of the project. We're very happy to be here tonight to share the work we've done so far, provide you with a status update, and invite your feedback on the draft context statement. Sion is going to walk you through her research for the context, provide an overview of the framework for the document, and highlight some interesting research finds. And we can actually move to the next slide, please. Uh, following Sion's presentation, Carrie will give you an overview of the fieldwork methodology, both for the preliminary reconnaissance study that was done um, to help inform the development of the draft context. And she'll talk a little bit about the next phase of the project, which is the intensive level survey. Um, and I just wanted to, to say a couple of notes in addition to what Jared said about where we are with the project. We did indeed kick this project off in early 2020, very shortly before shelter in place restrictions were enacted in California. Um, as a result, we did informally pause the project to see if the restrictions would be temporary and sort of wait and see the best path forward. Um, ultimately, in conjunction with staff, we decided that we would keep things moving forward and work toward keeping the project um, more or less in the general time frame that we had agreed to in the beginning. Um, in order to do this, we recalibrated our research efforts to focus on available sources. We came up with a methodology to do field work that was efficient, but also safe for our staff. And we worked on providing a more comprehensive draft to bring to you and to the community. So we tried to do as much work as we can upfront to get 
all of our research done that we could do, do a lot of the, the original um, windshield reconnaissance survey and sort of get us to where we are today so that what we can do from here is community outreach, hear from all of you, continue to do additional research as we can as archival resources become more available and keep updating and refining the project throughout the process. Um, we really are looking forward to working all of you with all of you and we sincerely look forward to your feedback. We want to make sure that we're getting everything right. And we also want to make sure that we're creating a document that's going to be a meaningful and useful planning tool for the city. Uh, next slide, please. So a brief overview of our scope of work. Um, as Jared mentioned, we have two phases to the project. The first is the development of the first comprehensive citywide historic context statement with a period of study through 1979. Um, where previous studies of the city had focused on a particular geographic area, the goal of our project is to create a comprehensive document that combines existing information with new research to help inform land use decisions throughout the city, including historic resource evaluations and as you're reviewing properties for potential historic designation, and we're also working with the general plan team to provide information to them as they develop the update to that document. Our first task was to compile all the existing studies of the city and identify aspects of Ventura's history that hadn't been fully covered in earlier documents so that we could center our research efforts on those areas. In particular, little, little had been written about the post-World War II period, so that has been a particular focus of our project. And phase two will be the survey update. Again, this is a citywide exercise that will confirm and update information in the geographic areas that have already been surveyed and also take the first comprehensive look at the rest of the city. Next slide. And uh, before I turn it over to Sion to give you an update on her research, we just wanted to make a couple of notes on historic context statements. So a historic context statement is not intended to be the definitive history of an area. The goal of a context is to look at broad patterns of development and establish the relationship between the built environment and the broader history of an area to provide an understanding of how and why a place developed as it did. It's intended to be a framework for understanding the built resources in an area and also to be sort of the underlying document for your historic preservation program. So whenever we're working on a context statement, we try to keep these ideas in mind so that we can, um, you know, so that that will guide the research and development of the project and help us stay focused on those broad concepts that are giving us a better understanding of the built environment in general. And again, um, before I turn it over to my colleagues, I just want to say that, you know, what you have been presented is a draft. We are continuing to do research. We're continuing to update things as we do more field work and we start to see different property types in the city, understand integrity thresholds, um, and we look forward to community outreach and, and again to working with all of you. So we wanted to just make sure to note that you are reviewing a draft and we really look forward to your feedback. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, and this slide just summarizes the three documents that were the main baseline documents to inform our study. So the 1983 Downtown and Ventura Avenue study, 
the downtown specific plan survey update from 2007, and the West Side Historic Context Statement and Survey from 2011. So those three studies provided a lot of the baseline information for our work, um, informed, of course, by also other written studies of the city and our own research that Sian is going to tell you about now. So thank you very much, and I will turn it over to her. Thank you, Christine. Um, next slide, please. So, uh, as Christine mentioned, you know, the goal of our research was to expand the context both geographically and chronologically. So, uh, knitting together new information with the information contained in the previous three um, contexts that were just on, the, on that previous slide into one really comprehensive document instead of having to shuffle back and forth between three or four different, different planning documents. And, and while it's true that COVID-19 uh, resulted in closures of libraries and archives, um, and, and for a researcher that's been a bit frustrating, <laughs> I won't argue that, um, it was really amazing how the community in many cases rallied uh, to help uh, create online access for some of the materials. Um, I, in particular, I feel like I must, uh, when I talk about our research methodology, give a shout out to David W. Hill, whose amazing book, The Streets of Ventura, I uh, somehow had the foresight to purchase about two and a half years ago, the last time I was at the Ventura County Museum. Uh, and it was an invaluable tool in terms of um, identifying tracks and particularly the post-war tracks and mapping the development of the city. So um, I just, I cannot thank him enough um, for all the work that he did um, before he passed on. Um, we also worked with uh, the current librarian, Dea Terrafranca. I hope Terrafranca. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, Dea was terrific. She, in fact, uh, when I reached out, provided uh, photographs, historic photographs, as well as things like inventory lists for the Wilson Stroh and Wilson Archive, which, of course, I couldn't get my hands on technically, but I could at least look at the inventory list and, and understand where some of their work was and what their contribution was in the city of Ventura. Um, outside the city, uh, we've had some wonderful participation from other librarians, such as uh, those at, at the uh, Architectural Archive at UCSB, and even as far away as Washington, D.C., where the uh, uh, main librarian at the uh, American Institute of Architects uh, in Washington, D.C., has, has actually been pulling files for some of our lesser-known uh, uh, Ventura architects and that has in turn helped us uh, understand where some of their work is and what important background information about them. So next slide, please. So as you can see, we, we were trying to create a comprehensive document that takes us now all the way up to 1979. And these are, the, these are sort of the, the chapters or the framework uh, that we've currently been working within. And as I said, we were aggregating uh, the previous three historic context statements and then supplementing that with, with new information. So, for example, some of the areas that we supplemented were to create more information on Satakoy and, and more deeply researched Montalvo, uh, to supplement uh, information on the agricultural and oil industries. Uh, we really did spend the bulk of new research in the post-war period and chronicling the eastward expansion of the city, um, the, the population boom, and how that affected the built environment in terms of residential, commercial, institutional, um, and, and other types of buildings. 
And then also as part of the actual research and context writing process, we re sort of reverse engineer that. So as we're uh, uh, reading and learning all about the growth of the, of the city, uh, as, as we learn about buildings that were uh, created by noted architects, we make lists of those and try and make sure that those get covered um, as we do reconnaissance and field work. Next slide, please. We also are expanding uh, the context statement to include ethnic and cultural contexts. And while these are not, you know, a complete comprehensive uh, 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 context for each one of these communities, it's important to acknowledge them in a, in a sort of comprehensive or in a, um, a chronological way that just we couldn't do with only the previous context. We start out these uh, cultural contexts by talking about the Tortilla Flats neighborhood. We do a bit of a deep dive there. Um, using uh, primary resources and some wonderful oral, oral histories that we found. And then we take each one of the communities, whether it's the Latino community, African-American, Chinese-American, Japanese-American, and Filipino-American community, and give them their own separate sections and talk about uh, their development and cultural institutions, uh, et cetera. Next slide, please. So uh, we thought we would give you just a couple of examples of fun things that we added. I know it's uh, 300 and some odd pages and you may not all have had a chance to read all 300 pages of it. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the things for an, an example of where we augmented uh, would be that we added an entire section of, that was a deep dive into Pierpont Bay, the, the housing development there. Um, and that's, of course, a really unique design and plan and important residential uh, community in Ventura. I mentioned Satakoy and Montalvo. Uh, we also looked at the Highway 101 tourist corridor. And one of my favorite little finds was the Satakoy Branch Camp, uh, which, if you haven't gotten to that part in the context, uh, was a POW uh, prisoner of war camp in Satakoy that housed, yes, it's true, German prisoners of war. Uh, that were sent by England over here to help pick uh, the fruit uh, during the labor shortage during World War II. Now, we include this in the context, not just because it's sort of fun uh, dinner party or cocktail party conversation, uh, but because it actually has bearing on the built environment. So again, I kind of track back to what Christine was saying that, you know, this is not necessarily a super comprehensive uh, definitive history of the city of Ventura, it always relates back to the built environment. And the way that the Satakoy branch camp relates back is that all of the um, temporary buildings, Quonset huts, et cetera, et cetera, that were on Satakoy branch camp land were sold off and were sold to uh, folks in the city of Ventura and in the surrounding community in the county. So as we go around and we, we find things like Quonset huts in the city, uh, we now know that they could potentially be traced back to the Satakoy branch camp. Next slide, please. From the post-war period, we, we, uh, we uncovered a number of different um, tracks, again, through the wonderful work of, of, uh, of David Hill. Um, and we found uh, homes designed by such important architects as Edward Fickett, Palmer and Kreisel, John Lindsay, David Freeman, Howard Leach, and a master plan community by George Vernon Russell. Uh, we also uh, discovered the, what we're calling the Loma Vista Road Medical Professional Corridor. Uh, which is really this wonderful grouping of medical and professional buildings between the two hospitals. 
And we also took a deep dive or the development of Ventura Marina and Ventura Keys, which is a, a real asset and an unusual residential asset in particular within California. It represents one of the few residential communities developed around um, a bay and harbor area, much like Marina del Rey, or I like to think of it more like Huntington Harbor in Huntington Beach, if you're familiar with that. Um, and then just another one, the Santa Buena Ventura Business and Industrial Park uh, was a pioneering condominium office project, uh, which was a uniquely California concept of, of buying cooperatively into an office building in the same way you would sort of a, a residential condo. So, um, so I think that one of the advantages of the pandemic, if there are any, is that uh, we had more information uh, for both uh, the recon work and the field work that's going to take place in this in the survey. And there's always a healthy back and forth between the context writers and the surveyors, um, a dialogue to uh, to talk about what we what we each find and how each of us can enhance each other's work. So with that, I'll turn it over to Carrie uh, to talk a little bit about the survey and field work. Great. Thank you, Sian. Um, so next slide, please. So um, I'll, I'll just want to give you a brief overview of the field work uh, process as we see it playing out um, in this project and also kind of let you know where we are in that process. Um, so we break up our field work into two phases. There's the field uh, reconnaissance phase, sometimes referred to as a windshield survey. Um, this is really a, a very detailed street by street investigation in this case of the entire city. So we were able to, to uh, field two survey teams. Um, and this was, you know, even with the pandemic, as Christine mentioned, we were able to, uh, you know, kind of reorganize how we normally do field work um, in order to have uh, one person in the field and then another person uh, back at, at home uh, looking at maps and uh, photos and the context. And then the two of them kind of going, uh, having a back and forth dialogue um, as uh, the person in the field was driving street by street. And that, that worked out really, really great. So we were glad we were able to um, keep that going forward. While we're out there, we're observing what we're seeing in the field, what kinds of resources uh, are out there. We're taking notes. Um, at this point, we're generally not taking uh, photographs or getting into that much deal, uh, detail, but we're trying to get a broad overview of what we're seeing in the field and where and having a lot of back and forth discussion about that. Um, we organized the field work by the 16 planning communities. And in our case, we started in the east and moved westward, uh, primarily because the downtown and, and west side areas had been surveyed before. So we had a bit of knowledge about what was in those areas even before we got there. And so we, because so much of the emphasis of this survey update is about the post-war period, we decided to start in the easternmost port portions of the city and kind of move our way in. Um, and then the second uh, phase of the field document uh, is the field documentation, uh, or sometimes it's called the intensive level survey. And this is something that happens later in the project after we have a context statement, after we have a lot of input from the committee, from the city, from uh, uh, people, uh, Ventura citizens. And uh, that's when we go back out and do kind of the detailed uh, photographing, taking notes, uh, you know, uh, identifying 
physical features of individual properties that we've identified as being eligible. That would also include looking at pot uh, potential historic districts and um, doing the, the real detailed um, documentation of that, usually with you know, uh, a laptop and a camera and, and documenting uh, the features in the field. Um, at that point, we're also applying uh, relevant themes, eligibility standards, and integrity thresholds. And those are things that are developed uh, as part of the historic context statement. And to Sion's earlier point about this kind of back and forth, they get kind of uh, developed preliminarily early on. And then there's lots of back and forth discussion between Sion developing the context and our teams out in the field. And they get refined over time as we learn more about what we're seeing um, in the existing built environment. And I always just want to point out that field documentation is always completed from the public right of way. So there's never any need for us to go onto private property to do that. Uh, next slide, please. So uh, just a little bit deeper into the field reconnaissance methodology, because this is the portion of the survey that we've actually, or the field exercise that we've actually completed. Um, this was uh, conducted between September and November of last year over about eight weeks or so. And just to kind of delve a little bit deeper into the purpose of this, we're we wanna get our eyes on what building types are actually in Ventura now today, which is not always the same thing as for example, what. Sion is finding in, in, the re, in the research historically. So we're always trying to, to link those two things together. What architectural styles are represented in what areas of the city? What periods of development uh, do we see and in what parts of the city? So it's very much uh, you know, starting with the, the background research of the context and being informed by that field work. Um, a, a critical part of field reconnaissance is understanding the prevalence or the uh, rarity of type, meaning, um, you know, if there's a particular property type that we know exists in Ventura, are these very common in Ventura? Did they used to be very common and now there aren't very many left? Have they always been rare? That's really important uh, in understanding how to evaluate a particular resource type and how to establish uh, integrity thresholds. Um, an example might be bungalow courts. We know there are bungalow courts in Ventura, but are there a lot of them? Are there few of them? There used to be hundreds and now there's only 20. It's really uh, important at the reconnaissance level, we get a sense of the whole. So it's a very kind of um, high level review of what we see out there in the field. Um, at this point, we're kind of flagging properties for additional research. So as Sion well knows, we come back from our field reconnaissance and we have long lists of, of either individual properties or neighborhoods or types of properties that we want to know more about. And oftentimes Sion already knows more about them. And so we can have that back and forth. But in some cases we discover things in the field that we hadn't anticipated or didn't run across in the research. And so again, there's, there's lots of opportunity to kind of give each other that back and forth uh, of the information. Um, and I will say too that reconnaissance is very deliberately inclusive because we don't know everything that's out there yet. We haven't finalized our research or our contact statement. We wanna be thinking as broadly as possible at the reconnaissance level. And from that point, we, we whittle things down once we kind of have a better sense of what we're looking at. 
but we don't want to skip things prematurely because we didn't quite understand what we had there. So anything that we think is potentially historic or maybe we just don't know enough about it to, to say one way or the other, we want to flag those things during recon. Next slide, please. Oh, I think we are missing our last slides. Oh, okay. Well, we had a couple more slides, but I can just go through briefly with you. Um, we just wanted to touch on uh, what we're finding. And as Christine mentioned, a lot of the um, discoveries of this survey update are really in the post-war period because so much of the earlier uh, periods of development have been captured in uh, your existing surveys. And so perhaps not surprisingly, we're finding uh, a lot of new things, th things that have not been identified before in um, uh, Midtown and in college, which would make sense in terms of the planning areas because that's where you have so much of your immediate, uh, immediately post-war uh, period development. Um, Sion has done some really terrific deep dive research into a lot of the post-war residential tracks. And so based on that research and understanding of when these places were developed and by whom, we've been looking closely at those neighborhoods to look at uh, potential for historic districts. Um, also looking very closely at the post-war commercial corridors like uh, Maine, Thompson, Telegraph, and Loma Vista Road, which Sion mentioned has uh, a really extraordinary intact collection of uh, this kind of low density uh, commercial office buildings that is really quite unique and something that we haven't seen in very many places. Um, and uh, also kind of expansion of government services out into the eastern uh, most portions of the city that happens in the post-war, whether it's fire stations, water and power, library, post offices, all of those kind of infrastructural or government buildings really help to tell the story of a place. So we're, we're looking closely at those. So that's just kind of a, a quick overview of what we've been up to um, in the field. So I'll turn it back to Christine. Um, thank you very much, Carrie. And we did have one final slide that that covered next steps. Um, so let me just briefly touch on that. And then we are very happy to answer any of your questions. Um, so the next thing that we would like to do, and we're working with staff to coordinate this is to launch our community outreach effort. Um, we're hoping to have meetings with, of course, your interested um, historic preservation stakeholders in the city, who we know are an incredibly important part of this process and will have great information and insights to share with us. So we're looking forward to that. Um, in addition to some community-wide meetings that we'd like to hold to inform the community at large about the project and get feedback and input from them. And you know, just let them know that we're out there and we'll be doing our field survey um, and make sure that the community is aware of what we're doing. Um, so we will be doing that over the next several months. And again, we're coordinating that right now with staff. We will also be working with the general plan team who you're going to hear from a little bit later tonight um, to make sure that we are coordinating with them and providing them the information that they need. So part of our schedule will intersect with providing information to that team and also 
um, intersecting and making sure that we're paying attention to their community outreach efforts so that we're not duplicating each other's efforts or holding meetings with the same stakeholders um, around the same time. So we will be, um, once we coordinate the community outreach efforts, we will be preparing a, a final more detailed schedule with staff that we will share with all of you in terms of when we expect to be back out in the field to do that intensive level survey in phase two and when and what the next steps will be in terms of the context statement itself. So we have a little bit more coordinating, but we really wanted to get out here tonight at this meeting to share with you what we've done so far. We are, as Carrie mentioned, doing a lot of property specific research from the post reconnaissance survey. So as she mentioned, we had a very deliberately inclusive um, reconnaissance study. And now what we need to do is actually look into all of those properties in order to make more informed decisions about what's eligible or not. So that is ongoing. So even though, as she mentioned, we did the reconnaissance study last fall, um, we've been continuing to do research on all of those properties throughout this entire period. So we're getting there and we have a lot of great information about the properties that have been flagged in the field. Um, and then again, as Carrie mentioned, you know, the next step will be to sort of take all of this information, coordinate it, make additional updates to the context statement as needed, including updating those eligibility standards. And I know I keep saying this, but, you know, again, just to reiterate that this is a draft. And so what's in there now is general guidance based on what we know today. And we'll be further refining that as we understand more about the rarity of certain property types. Um, you know, how many resources you have from different periods. So all of this work is ongoing and we look forward to um, combining what we've been doing with input from all of you and from the community. So thank you. That is the, the end of our presentation. And like I said, we're very happy to answer any questions. Okay, great. Can staff advise me? Are we able just to have a discourse back and forth at this point? And should we hear from the public before or after that process? Andy, would you like to chime in or would you like me to? It would be appropriate, I think, to have ask any questions of the consultant now. And then after those questions are done, we can open up the, uh, for public comment. And then if there's any additional dialogue, at the end, we can do it that then. Okay, great. Thanks. So um, do any of the committee members have questions for the consultant team? Committee member Mueller. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for uh, presenting us with a very complete and comprehensive report. Uh, a lot of work uh, will be done uh, post-World War II in the track development on the east side here. And uh, I was looking through the part of the report that describes uh, the criteria for residential historic districts. It, it seems as if the methodology is going to be to take entire tracts and not maybe individual properties. And so, uh, so many of these, uh, whether it's from the National Register or the state or our local uh, integrity um, considerations and eligibility requirements seem to borrow a lot from single piece properties. Uh, and I'm wondering uh, if you plan to provide us with uh, perhaps a more uh, detailed and, uh, uh, you know, a set of criteria that's going to be easier for us to use than, than trying to interpolate between 
the uh, materials that we've used for, for single properties and uh, how that's going to have to be uh, relaxed or, or extended to uh, take in you know, several different houses. Uh, I live in one of our venerable uh, historical uh, tracts uh, here in town. And I tell you, up and down my street, almost everybody's changed something about their property. So um, I guess I'm curious about uh, how we are going to move forward to determine eligibility and what kind of integrity considerations are gonna be or, or requirements are gonna be provided. Um, yes, thank you for that question. And I will start and I'll ask my fellow colleagues to jump in um, as needed. But uh, the, the general answer to your question is yes, we will be further refining those eligibility standards that are in the document. There is a section about historic districts and there is some specific guidance from, um, actually from a Caltrans study a few years ago um, looking specifically at how to think about suburban post-war tracks where, you know, the houses were de designed and developed as a piece and many of them are, this, are a similar design or there are several models that you see repeated throughout a tract. So, you know, you really are thinking about the collective whole um, and you are correct that integrity thresholds when you're thinking about a district may be a little different than when you're looking at an individual property. So, We've already had a lot of conversations um, based on Sian's research and with what Carrie and her teams have been seeing in the field about how we're gonna look at and evaluate those neighborhoods. The other thing I would say is that a, a field survey is meant to cast a broad net. And so we use those tracked boundaries as the general guidance to understand, you know, how the developments um, were implemented over time where one neighborhood changes into a different development. That doesn't mean that if an if a smaller portion of a neighborhood wanted to come forward and get a historic designation as a district, but they couldn't do that. We're just looking at sort of the collective whole of the tract as a cohesive unit, but certainly your ordinance allows for and it's common preservation practice that if there's a smaller intact grouping of properties in one of those neighborhoods, they could absolutely um, come forward and, and apply for historic designation. Thank you. Any other questions from my committee members here? Let me scroll. Committee member Houston. Yes, um, I just had some, I guess, general comments, um, but I wanted to say, first of all, that this is an incredibly helpful document and I'm really happy to see it and to have read through most of it. <laughs> um, so at the beginning, you start with the Shumash and I just wanna mention that that the information that you have, even though this is just such a tiny and probably not really relevant part of the survey, but um, the, the archeological periods are, that chart is outdated and they don't really talk about milling stone and Oak Grove anymore. Um, so if you need to, I could probably point to you to some archeologists or um, books, re more recent books that could give you that information. Um, and then it would be helpful um, when you're discussing the tracts and annexed areas and like areas like Montalvo and Setecoy, if you could include um, maps in there 
Because <laughs> sometimes it's hard to tell where you're talking about, especially if streets aren't referenced in those. Um, and then in the architectural description area, if um, it would be really neat if you could include a photo or two in each one of a Ventura, um, Ventura resource. And then my last um, question was, in your eligibility standards, um, you mentioned um, architect, landscape architect, designer, um, and I wondered if builders, um, if the developer might also be a, a relevant, uh, important person or entity, because you did mention developers in a lot of the neighborhood. So just wanted to ask about that. So you don't have to answer these, it's just <laughs> thoughts. Uh, okay, well, th yes, thank you. Thank you for your comments and thank you for uh, reading through so much of the document. Um, I, I actually, hopefully I can at least touch on each of your questions. So um, we absolutely are happy for any additional information about the archeological periods. Um, we are not archeologists and because the focus of our study is on the built environment, we, you know, that information is included there because it's such an important part of Ventura's history. Um, but we are by no means saying that we're experts. So I'm very happy for any um, any guidance you can give us or any sources you can point us to to make sure that that information is correct. We did largely rely on previous studies to put that section together, um, augmenting it with some updated language and trying to be more sensitive about how we talk about that period in history. Um, but we're certainly happy to um, factually correct anything as needed. Um, the second question I think was about maps and yes, we absolutely will um, will map the tracks and include that in in future versions of the document, as well as some of the other areas that you mentioned. So we um, we definitely know that we need to include some more graphics as we move forward and mapping those tracks is one big thing we have on our to do list. Um, we will absolutely be putting photographs in the architectural style section, um, as Carrie mentioned, in order to keep things moving forward with the windshield study. We didn't take photographs when we were out there, but we will be going back to photograph things. So we will include current photos of each architectural style from Ventura in that section. Um, and, and regarding the eligibility standards, yes, I would say that um, sometimes the developer is an important factor when you're thinking about historic significance and certainly with some of the work in the post-war tracks, but even some of the earlier ones too, you know, people that, really had a role in shaping the way Ventura developed during a certain period could um, absolutely contribute to the significance. So we can make sure to update that to reference developers as well. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Um, I can jump in here and just provide a little bit of comment. Um, I was up all night last night reading this document and it's you guys have done a lot of work. Um, I think it's a an amazing starting point. Um, I think I've had several uh, community members reach out to me directly about wanting to be involved in the process. Um, so I think I was really relieved to hear that that's something that you guys are going to be doing and that you value um, 
in this, you know, as we move forward, I think that's going to be really important because I think you have all the basics there. And I think there's some people in the community that have some further information for you and, and including people on the commission and that that will be really helpful um, for you really to build on. I was wondering, um, I know that you guys did most of the research during the pandemic. Um, and I'm wondering if there have been discussions about the possibility of accessing the um, the library archive directly. I don't know if the city is able to. I'm sure you guys have discussed this. I'm wondering if there if there's a possibility that it's sounding like that might be able to happen while you're still you know working on this project. Um, yes, and thank you for your comments and questions as well. Um, we definitely want to make sure, like I said, that we get everything correct and we want to make sure that we're not missing an important aspect of Ventura's history. So we are still sort of working this out about how we will um, how we will do that moving forward. I think our plan right now, but we're happy to hear from all of you and get some input on this is to, maybe come up with a list of topics that we know need to be covered further in the context statement than what we were able to do in this initial draft and focus research efforts moving forward on those topics. And that would certainly include um, accessing any of the on-site archives that we weren't able to access before. You know, unfortunately for us, and, and not to speak for poor Sion because this happened to her, but we were working on a project in another city and their newspaper came online right before we finished our project. And so all of a sudden, <laughs> this enormous wealth of information out there that we weren't able to access before. Um, so this feels a little bit like that, that, you know, we're, we've done quite a lot and she spent a lot of time going through, you know, archival sources online. However, um, like I said, this is a draft and we know it's a process and these are living documents. So we certainly will be working with the city to figure out how to do, how to access those things that you can only access in person. That's great. Uh, thank you for that. And I, it sounded like Sian has spent some time in our, in our museum library and it's really an invaluable resource. And I feel as though it would really be a missed opportunity to finalize this document without getting in there somehow. So hopefully um, between all of these entities working together, we can figure something out. Um, and that's great. I'm glad to hear that you are also uh, prioritizing that. Um, some of the other comments I had were already mentioned. Maps was one of the things. Um, one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in are the integrity and the registration requirements. Um, and I was also relieved to hear you say that those are a starting point um, because I think that we just really want to make sure we get those right. Um, those are going to be so important as we move forward in our preservation program in Ventura and having having those things correct. You know, every evaluation that's done in the city is going to rely on those. So I just I think we need to, you know, do our due diligence and make sure those are, and like you said, it's it's progressive. I'm sure as you get in the field, you're gonna refine all those things. So I was just relieved to hear that generally speaking. Um, and then the last comment or question I have, I guess is kind of for the consultant team, but maybe also for the city. I'm just wondering 
if we know at this point what the community engagement, the plan for community engagement, and then the plan for us and other members of the public, um, specific, specifically though committee members to be able to provide more detailed comment or edits. Do we have, do we know what that process is gonna look like at this point? Thank you, um, Vice Chair Brazell and committee members. Uh, it, if you don't mind, I'll jump in and then please feel free to add anything else. Um, that was actually part of what we did want to discuss with the HPC tonight as well, just to ask the question um, from this group too, with your wealth of knowledge and experience, uh, if you have suggestions or recommendations of who who are the groups or key stakeholders that we uh, should and could engage through this activity. We wanna take the feedback from you and the feedback we have internally and from the consultants and then put together um, you know, focus groups and, and engagement opportunities around that in collaboration with the general plan, uh, which you'll hear from Simran and those efforts. And so we're hoping tonight as we hear from you, that will help us shape uh, the outreach plan. We don't have that solidified right now. We were hoping to have more of a dialogue and discussion that can lead us to know who to reach out to more specifically. Okay, great. And then for our comments, um, I have some comments that I think would be better just to send to the consultant team. It's not really discussion worthy, you know, so I'm just wondering if those should be sent um, if we should collect those comments as a group and get them to the, to the team or how you would like to receive those. Sure. That's a great question. Um, if you do have, as you dig into the context statement, you know, comments and, you know, if you have notes on them or a little comment, please feel free to send those documents back to me and Jared, and we'll compile all of that information and provide it to the consultant team. Um, so they can have your comments collectively. Okay, so send to you and Jared and you will compile and send to the team. Okay, um, and we can just do that as they, I mean, I'm sure you don't want me to email you every time <laughs> I look at this thing. So um, just let us know, I guess, if there's, if it, if it ends up being that you would rather have them consolidated a certain way or, or something, maybe we can develop something. I'm. I'm also wondering when will we be, is there a schedule for when we would see this document again? Or is that also in flux in terms of, uh, well, I mean, see it again, have a formal agendized discussion about the context. Sure, Christine, do you wanna chime in about this piece? Sure, um, I think that is still a little bit in flux based on um, the feedback that we get and how much time we think we need to turn the document back around. And of course, um, scheduling the community outreach so that we can make sure that community comments are incorporated the next time you see the document. So that's part of what we'll be working with staff on to provide a more comprehensive schedule for everything. So I apologize we don't have that tonight, but we wanted to to start this dialogue and then create the, the schedule based on that. Okay, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so, in terms of stakeholders, would you, are you looking for, I mean, I could start rattling off some folks, but maybe it's best if we also compile that information and 
get it over to you guys electronically. Does that does that work? Sure, whichever way the committee would like to um, provide feedback is, is fine with us. Um, if, if we do it here, then the public is also able to hear kind of the suggestions um, and may uh, be able to add additional ones as well. Um, so if, if you guys have some right off the top of your head that you think um, we can start compiling, if you think about it more for a, a couple of days, or of course at 2 a.m. it'll come to you, feel free to, to send us an email too, and we'll um, compile all of that information and get it to the consultant team. Um, this consultant team is also on the consultant team with the general plan. So they're really working hand in hand to make sure that's all being incorporated also into the goals and the policies of the general plan. So part of why the schedule is kind of in flux right now is we wanna make sure those are being weaved in kind of succinctly and we're not missing things that are shaping guiding principles or policies through how we're approaching both of the efforts. And so we're just trying to be very mindful of that, uh, given this is a, a huge effort in, in both regards that we are, we're not missing anything along the way here. Um, so whatever work the committee would like to do, if you have ideas right now, we're happy to take them. If you'd like to think a little bit more and provide them uh, later, we're happy to take it that way as well. Okay, uh, committee member Muller. Well, I have been uh, thinking a little bit about this, and uh, the first thing that uh, kind of jumped out at me was I read through the report uh, was on page eight, and it talks about the Shumash and their 10,000-year history here. And uh, when you get down to page 21, the report says, well, there are no extent built resources in the city from this period, meaning the period of Native American inhabitants. And the Shishalop village uh, is designated as point of interest site number 18. And, um, you know, it, it kind of struck me that this is what has built in a kind of European bias to our efforts. Uh, all we do is look at things that are built. And uh, there are no extant buildings uh, from the, you know, longest period of human habitation here. And uh, if we're looking, um, you know, for a way to outreach, uh, we might consider, you know, consulting with the Shumash tribe and just at least explaining to them, we're investing a lot of effort and time into an historical survey of, you know, tract houses in East Ventura, uh, and that, you know, we maybe can formulate a plan together at some point to where uh, there's more we can do for the Native American uh, part of our history. Having said that, of course, it is outside the scope of the present project, but it should be within the scope of some project uh, if we're we're dealing seriously with historical preservation. Absolutely, committee member Mueller, that's not lost on us. We can do that with this and also with the general plan update because it is a key stakeholder in our community, um, regardless of what document it ends up in engaging that stakeholder. So thank you for that suggestion. Committee member Houston. To follow up quick on committee member Muller's suggestion, um, I would mention John Johnson, who is the, the curator of anthropology at the Santa Barbara Museum of Natural History. Um, I believe there is a property 
in Ventura that is is or was and possibly is still owned by a Sumash person, um, a commercial property. And he would know that. Um, and he's also done a lot of archeological work here around the mission. So he would be a good resource in, in that sense as well. Um, and ethno history about the Chumash. And then we've got Julie Tumamayat, who's in Ojai, and she's the leader of the Ventureño, Barbareño band of Chumash Indians, and she's pretty easy to find. Um, and that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Um, are you going to, do you have plans to visit the community councils? Yes. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that we are, we will be working on that with staff. That was something we had talked about initially before the project launched. Um, and so now we just need to figure out the best way forward, whether it's a meeting in each community or, um, or a, a more broader geographic meeting. Um, but yes, those, that, those groups are on our list. Great. Thank you. Um, I can jump in just while we're starting to compile a list here. I'm sure you're probably aware of, of some of these already, but I would recommend um, the San Buenaventura Conservancy. Also, um, any museum staff, which it sounds like you're already in communication with. There's also Charles Johnson, who was the former um, archivist at the Ventura County Museum and who's extremely knowledgeable. Um, and actually also for your research efforts, he, uh, Dea is amazing as well, but he worked with that collection for like decades. So he can be, he can save you lots of time, Sian. Um, and I'm sure you probably know him. Um, also, I would recommend um, Judy Treem, who doesn't live in Ventura anymore, I don't believe, but who is extremely knowledgeable and I'm sure you've seen her name on all, on everything. Um, so that goes without saying. Um, those are the ones that come to mind very quickly, but I will definitely make sure I get any others over to you guys um, as they come to me. And um, any other committee members have input on that? Committee member Mercer would like to speak. I'm gonna unmute her now. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, also, I'm really pleased with the scope of this. Um, it's going to continue to be more exciting, but I want to also stress, I'm very happy that you're going to be working on um, definitions, evaluation criteria and standards. Um, that's real, real important for our future, for the community's understanding of what we're doing and why something qualifies or whether it doesn't. Um, a question I had, the most of the committee members have already asked the questions that I that I had, but what about the rural and the landscapes? We have a few trees, I think, in Ventura who um, are our landmarks. Are you also covering landscapes, rural areas? That's a good question, committee member Mercer. And I apologize if I skipped over you. I realized I was not scrolling the whole bar here previously. I apologize. Have to get used to this. 
Um, so I would say generally, yes, we do consider landscape features and, you know, other things that are sort of part of the overall built environment. So um, we're certainly happy to think about how we might incorporate some rural landscapes into the study and, you know, thinking about former agricultural lands and how those properties have evolved over time. So again, we're happy if you have specific input or areas that you think we should be looking at, you know, please do let us know. Committee member Mercer, did you have any other comments? Um, uh, no, I think everybody else has covered anything I had to add. Okay, great. Um, so I guess the only my the only thing that's still outstanding is just establishing a schedule for some of these things, but it sounds like that that's in in progress with the city and we will be kept in the loop, I assume on um, on those things. Is there a timeline in which we should be sure to get comments to the consultant team by? Or is this just going to be a back and forth discourse until they, I assume they're going to want every, there would be a deadline at some point. Christine, is there, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, just so we don't hold them up in their progress, I assume they're going to want the info, but it also sounds like we have quite a bit to go here in terms of community outreach and things like that. So I assume we have some time. Yes. Um, Christine, is there a time that uh, maybe you would like um, comments back on the context statement that would be helpful to provide? Um, yes, I think, you know, we want to be reasonable. That was another question that we had for everyone tonight is, you know, we don't want to set a two week deadline and, and make people feel like it's their last chance to provide comments on a 300 page document. So we appreciate that there's a lot of information in there. So, um, you know, I would say it would be great to get comments back in maybe a month. So, you know, somewhere toward the end of May. Um, but again, I want to be reasonable. And so if that isn't going to work for the committee, please let us know. And certainly, um, as you mentioned, this is going to be an ongoing iterative process. So we expect that we'll be continuing to make edits as we talk more to the community. But it would be great if we got your first blush comments um, in a month, if, if that's appropriate and doable for all of you. That seems reasonable to me. I see committee member Houston shaking her head. Yes. Who else? Mr. Miller. Yes. Okay. So, and Dina is a yes as well. So we will. Okay. Today is April 22nd. By the end of May, we will try to make sure we have all of our comments, our first round of serious comments over to you um, through uh, through the city staff. Thank you. So, thank you. Did any other committee members want to jump in before we move on to public comment? Okay, seeing none. Thank you so much for your presentation. It was great and we all look forward to working with you. Um, let's see, at this point in the meeting, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item? Yes, we have two members of the public that wish to speak. We'll start with Stephen Schaefer. 
Stephen, you've been unmuted and have three minutes. Uh, hello, my name is Stephen Schaefer, and um, I have some questions that I'll keep for the last, but I will make some comments uh, in the comment form that you can hopefully keep up with as I talk fast. Uh, my understanding from meeting with um, Charles Johnson, the past research librarian, um, is that the museum it will be opening in July 2021. So um, although that seems like a far away time, it, it probably is worthwhile to realize that there are some holes in the context that can probably be filled in by some of the documents and books there at that time. Um, there are some things like the tortilla flats reports on in imminent domain photos and lists that are at Caltrans that are probably worth looking into. Um, Seaside Park World War II wartime activity. Um, the pre-1930s and post-1960s star is at the museum. It's also, I think, at the um, Ventura County Library at Foster downtown. Uh, so it's possible if staff can maybe work with a consultant to get them into the basement. There are actual bound copies there. Um, going into some of the tree comments um, that immediately made me think of, uh, you know, Barranca's, uh, the palms on Grand and Montalvo, uh, the pepper tree on Airedale Court, um, some of these unique things, but also uh, Royal Verde Park. Is there a place in the context that allows us to um, capture Royal Verde Park as that developed? and look at it historically like we do Plaza Park. There's the second oil boom and the commercial expansion boom that has to do more with uh, annexation of um, county property as the county um, grew around the city and then the city would take over county lands. Um, so it's possible that some of those contexts for commercial overlap differently than um, the very straightforward 1945 to 1960 or 1961 to 1979. Some of those might be, let's say 1950 to 1970. So I'm not sure how we deal with that. Um, a little bit of a downer here, of course, you've mentioned how great it would be to have adoption, but no survey has been adopted in Ventura since 1983, the very first one. Um, all of the HRG uh, 2007 and 2011 GPA surveys are not adopted. so. While everybody talks about how this is going to be a living document, um, it would be great if this actually gets adopted and hopefully informs the general plan. Um, uh, the eligibility standards at the moment include integrity, uh, but that does not align, align with the current historic preservation ordinance, which does not require any integrity. And so maybe an ordinance update is uh, something that we can re recommend as part of the general plan and this context, the 2007 HRG report and the 2011 Westside survey both recommended ordinance updates. Maybe adoption of this context and survey could include an ordinance update to something much more like the California Register or the National Register. Um, if we are going to do community-wide meetings, I'm Mr. hoping Schaefer, your three minutes have expired. Okay. Moving on, we have Trevor Gotsman. Trevor, you have been unmuted, and your three minutes start now. Hi. Um, I, you know, I'm almost willing to cede my time to the previous gentleman, um, and I think if he's willing, I will, because what this is wonderful work, and I commend you on this. I'm on the west side. I believe we should 
um, continue this, incorporate us. Um, I will get the word out to our community, and this is wonderful work. And if you could return the gentleman back, um, he has wonderful ideas, and I think he can continue if you don't mind. Thank you all. Stephen, you've been unmuted. You have uh, two minutes and 20 seconds remaining. Well, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'll just wrap up really quick. The community-wide meetings, um, if they can be workshops and information gathering meetings and a little on the um, front side of uh, final, instead of presentations of this is what we've done and you know it's going to city council tomorrow and, and we hope you all like it, um, that would be great. Uh, we get a lot of presentations from consultants and, and not enough workshops where the in input from the community can actually be used by the consultants. Um, and then, you know, uh, as as Chair Purzel was talking about, how do we comment and add to this? Uh, we'd obviously like to have time for reading all 300 pages because we're making notes and, and some of our, our comments can be um, very formal in the and and some of them would be probably much better in a workshop situation so if uh, the public is also in the situation if staff could clarify if we should um, also email jared um, or if there's some way that the city can set up a website so that the public can um, input comments basically in the survey la the largest uh, survey down in los angeles as that was started the community uh, was allowed to recommend places that surveyors might not know about, um, you know, whether those were neighborhood or whether those came from ethnic groups or uh, disenfranchised communities or just people who were interested in, you know, concrete buildings or, you know, googie. And uh, it would be great if the city could set something like that up or even if HRG could set something like that up. <clears throat> but. Um, you know, again, I'm kind of skeptical and really hoping this becomes something that's adopted and is a living document, but that hasn't happened yet in the in the past few years. So, so seeing that through and maybe making that part of the general plan and possibly making it a mitigation for um, the general plans EIR would be a, a wonderful way to dot the I's and cross the T's. Thank you very much. That concludes the members of the public that wish to speak. Thank you. Vice Chair Purcell, you're muted. Thank you. At this point in time, we will close the public hearing portion of the meeting. And um, since we don't have any action at this point we will move on to the next agenda item which is the general plan update and i believe we have a staff presentation for this as well thank you vice chair Prezella. thank you hrg so much i'm um, joined this evening by simran mahatra uh, she is part of the consultant team of ramian associates that is um, the project lead for the general plan update. Um, city staff and city council uh, initiated a contract to begin work on uh, the general plan and hired 
Ukrainian associates, along with a group of consultants that works under them to help with the general plan update effort, which is a, a large multi-year process that is going to take uh, a few years to go through the entirety of the process. The project schedule for this did also have some delays similarly to the historic survey um, due to um, COVID-19. Uh, we did also pause to see it, how long that was going to occur before moving on in the process, which did um, alter the timelines a bit on this project as well. Uh, but since that time, we have started uh, this effort and had um, put together a general plan advisory committee called the GPAC that has met uh, three times at this point. Uh, we have gone to city council with some updates and workshops with them to start discussions on this. And now we're going um, to each of the committees and boards that have uh, portions that touch the general plan to uh, get input and feedback and give an update about what the general plan is, what has occurred to date, and what the next steps are. And so really, I'm going to turn it over to Simran, who's going to go through this presentation um, and provide you with some information and then with some discussion questions to, to garner the feedback and input from the Historic Preservation Committee as it relates to the general plan. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Simran. Simran, um, you may be muted. Are you muted? We can't hear you. I, I was double muted. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, thank you, Nada. And uh, good evening, Vice Chair Porzell and members of the committee. I'm Simran Malhotra. I'm a principal with Ramey and Associates, and we are leading the general plan update process, as Nada just mentioned. Uh, next slide. I wanted to give you an update on uh, the general plan. Uh, as well as several other concurrent planning efforts. There's a lot of planning work going on in the city, and we wanted to uh, give you an overview of all of that um, to you and uh, to the community in general as well, so, um, so everyone is aware of um, all these various efforts. also wanted to describe some of the engagement that's already been undertaken, and also what our approach to engagement for the general plan will, will be. And then uh, I wanted to spend a few minutes describing some of the broad themes of what we have heard from the community and the engagement that's already been completed. And then I also wanted to spend some time hearing from you all what your thoughts and expectations are with regard to the general plan um, and issues, goals, and priorities that can be addressed in the general plan as they relate to historic preservation. Next slide. Next. Um, the city has embarked on several planning efforts that are interrelated, uh, and these plans include the general plan update, uh, but also um, several implementing plans that are being updated concurrently, either as a part of our process or as separate efforts. And these include an active transportation plan, the local coastal program, a climate action and resilience plan, and of course, the historic context statement and historic survey that we just heard about. Um, these efforts are complementary and they involve extensive coordination to maintain consistency and efficiencies, both in terms of technical analysis, uh, policy recommendations, but also community engagement. 
And I'll talk a little bit about this uh, later in the presentation. Next slide, please. Very briefly, the general plan uh, up is, uh, update is an overarching planning effort. Um, the general plan is a policy document that is the roadmap for the city's future. It starts with the establishment of a community's vision for the next 25 to 30 years, how the community will change and grow, and what the community's values and priorities are for its future. It also forms the basis for the ground rules for development in the community. And based on this vision, um, general plans have goals, policies, and implementing actions that provide directions to, direction to city staff and city commissions and the city council in their decision-making. There are eight required elements, um, which are listed on the slide uh, in front of you, but cities can choose additional topics to address. And this update uh, includes community design, economic development, arts and culture, and historic preservation. Uh, these are all topics that are being uh, included as separate elements in, in the general plan update. Next slide, please. Uh, we have a multidisciplinary team um, that has all the expertise needed to address the various aspects of the general plan and the related projects. Uh, HRG, who you just heard from, is also on our team, and they'll be preparing the historic preservation element. Other consultants include transportation uh, and traffic engineers, uh, econ economists, housing specialists, uh, arts and culture consulting firms, um, and of course, we'll be leading the land use, urban design, health, environmental justice, sustainability, and overall engagement. Next slide, please. General plans evolve and reflect the community and its values. Um, so the effort we are undertaking now will reflect the city's visions and residents today. Uh, this plan was um, previously last updated in 2005, and it was based on a visioning process conducted five years prior, which was known as Vision Ventura. And this, the 2005 general plan was, uh, was organized by goals for the community's future, which dealt with various aspects of, of that uh, vision that was established. Next. So very briefly, um, the reason the city council chose to update the general plan at this point in time was to refresh the vision uh, for the city uh, for the next 25 to 30 years. And the goal of the document is not, uh, of the update is not only to uh, create a new document, but also use this as a process of bringing the community together to work through uh, areas of agreement and disagreement about its future. Uh, and there's also some um, very basic and technical reasons for the update. Um, there are numerous state requirements that have been put in place since 2005, and uh, the general plan needs to address these. Um, and these include uh, state requirements such as SB 1000, um, 
complete streets requirement, SB 379, et cetera. Um, the goal is also to make the general plan more usable and ensure consistency with the climate action plan and the local coastal program. And finally, the general plan uh, will ensure that it will track progress, it will assign responsibility to, to the various departments, and then revisit it annually uh, internally to staff to make sure that it's being implemented as envisioned. Next slide, please. Um, the schedule uh, that we have laid out is a six-step process, and this, uh, this uh, slide generally gives an overview of what that process looks like. We started with the discovery phase, uh, and over the last um, year or so, we've been learning about the city, identifying issues and opportunities. Um, as Neda said, COVID delayed some of this work. Um, in fact, the kickoff meeting for the general plan was on the same day as when the county of Ventura shut down uh, last March. Um, but since then, we've been uh, working through and we have been, uh, we prepared our existing conditions uh, documents and have been even in this uh, remote environment have had extensive engagement with the community that I'll describe a little bit later. Um, we are currently in the visioning phase um, and over the next couple of months, we'll be developing a long-term vision and guiding principles. And uh, following this, we'll be preparing land use and transportation alternatives um, later this year, which will lead to policy development and solutions um, at the end of this year and the beginning of next. Uh, following that, the general plan will be drafted and then uh, we'll go through a review and adoption process. Um, we'll be meeting with you three times, the first being today, uh, where we are here to get your thoughts on what should be included in the general plan um, with regard to historic preservation. Uh, we'll be bringing back the policy frameworks um, for your review and uh, and comments, and then uh, you'll get a chance to review the final um, elements uh, in the general plan um, before it goes to council for approval. And throughout this entire process, we'll uh, be conducting extensive community engagement that I'll talk about in the next few slides. Next, please. Um, given the complexity of the process and how engaged and organized the Ventura community is, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to walk through how decisions will be made. And um, starting over on the left, um, we have a, a elaborate program for engagement with the community. We'll be conducting interviews. We have several workshops planned, uh, surveys, focus groups, stakeholder interviews. Um, we are working with the General Plan Advisory Committee and we have been meeting with the community councils. And this allows us to get, uh, get engagement and input from all these various groups. Uh, we take that input and then um, bring that to the Planning Commission and the other commissions, including the Historic Preservation Committee to get your input, and then you make the final recommendation to the city council for approval. 
Next slide, please. Our approach for engagement is extremely broad and encompassing. Uh, it starts with extensive outreach, uh, listening and learning from the community. We also want to ensure that the process is authentic and that the residents feel that they are part of determining the future of their city. Um, we are uh, we are in, uh, interested in empowering the public and supporting timely decisions, and we want to ensure that the results that are produced are valued in the community. Next slide. Um, there are a lot of activities planned throughout the project at each of the six phases I had described uh, earlier. The graphic on the right shows, uh, and it might, might be a little bit hard to read on the screen here, but it shows the uh, extensive engagement we'll be conducting at each of these phases. Um, as Neda mentioned, uh, we are meeting with the General Plan Advisory Committee on a monthly basis. There are a total of 18 meetings planned. Um, we'll have several workshops, educational forums. Uh, we are providing updates to the city, excuse me, community councils um, on a regular basis. We met with them over the last, uh, last summer and fall as well. And then we have been meeting with community groups and will continue to do so throughout this process. Um, there are several surveys, online surveys planned, um, and um, including a visioning or opportunities and constraints survey that was conducted over the last winter. Um, and when uh, health, uh, health department allows, um, in-person pop-up events will also be conducted. And then we are giving regular updates to the city council and planning commission on a regular basis. And then of course, meeting with boards, all the boards and commissions and committees. Next slide, please. The goal is to reach a plurality of residents in the city. Um, the public facing materials are bilingual and ADA compliant, um, and we are partnering with community groups to build relationships and trust with groups that typically don't participate in planning processes. Our meetings are continuing to be held uh, virtually for now and will eventually include in-person events. Next slide, please. Um, to date, we have uh, conducted 20 plus one-on-one -on -one interviews, um, met with all seven community councils, hosted three GPAC meetings, uh, conducted a online survey for which we received over to approximately 2,400 responses. And we have a project website and uh, extensive outreach database through which we communicate with the with with the those who have signed up. We also have a very active social media campaign that the city's um, public information department is running for this process on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Next slide, please. Um, before I move on uh, to what we have heard in the engagement, um, 
Nada, would you like me to pause for any questions or or Chair uh, Vice Chair Perzal, would you like me to pause for questions or would you like me to continue? I know this is a lot of information. We could maybe pause for questions. Um, do I have Happy any committee members that have questions for the consultant team? Committee member Mueller. Thank you. Um, I find your presentation, uh, you know, very uh, thoughtful and interesting so far. And I thought I heard you mention, um, and this may betray my ignorance, something of a city climate action plan or some such. And the reason I ask is that, um, you know, we have several historical areas that could be threatened by the uh, results of climate change, uh, our peer, uh, probably some of the neighborhoods in the Pierpont Bay area. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had a fire burned right down to the parking lot of City Hall. So um, I'm wondering if this is going to be a separate uh, and distinct effort uh, by a different branch or committee, or if this is something that will be subsumed under the general plan. Um, that's a very good question. Um, and we at Ramian Associates are leading the climate action and resilience plan work as well with some of our subconsultants. And so there will be a great deal of coordination on, on what's being analyzed and um, a comment such as this about the, you know, the, the historic resources that could be impacted or threatened by, by climate change are really important for us to note. So we'll make sure that that's something that's uh, noted and uh, studied further as we undertake that work. Thank you. Thank you, committee member Mueller. Do we have any other committee members that like would like to comment? Committee member Mercer. Can we unmute committee member Mercer, Madam Clerk? Yes, I'm sorry. I lost her, which, which number she is. So give me one second. Committee member Mercer, is that you? Yes, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, um, I applaud the effort to reach out to the community to hear from um, all different citizens. Um, I'm also wondering if, um, like the reporter and the Ventura Breeze, there's a lot of uh, citizens that read these two local papers that um, aren't involved in community council, um, et cetera. Yes, um, actually you raise a good good point. Um, we do have advertisements and press releases in the Ventura Breeze that inform the readers about upcoming community events or regarding the general plan update. Um, it talks about events, but does it clarify exactly uh, the purpose and the reason people should work out, reach out rather. Um, I guess I'm, I'm trying to uh, reach out to people in our community who aren't generally involved in like community councils or watch um, uh, council meetings on TV or the web. 
and uh, there's a lot of those, and, and many are my neighbors. And so I'm thinking uh, more clarification and really, really asking people to reach out that we want to hear what you have to say. Thank, thank you for that comment. Um, we'll make a note of that and uh, we'll coordinate. Um, uh, maybe we could have additional articles or, or longer press releases which explain the project more to try and try and get additional engagement from from those such as your neighbors. Did any other committee members want to jump in? Um, I had a question for you. I'm wondering if you could just explain to us what is typically included in a cultural resources or a historic preservation section of a general plan. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, the uh, typically uh, historic preservation elements would in, uh, would include a brief history of the, you know, a summary, so to speak, of what uh, HRG is is creating the historic context statement and a summary of just the overall arc of history of, of the city. Uh, and then it uh, contains uh, some of the regulatory framework of what uh, what a city can regulate in terms of historic preservation, historic resources within its jurisdiction. And then it's followed by goals, policies, and actions related to, to, uh, to those topics. Okay, so input from us that you would be looking for would be potentially on those goals and action items. Um, Absolutely. Okay. okay, so like an ordinance update, um, like one of our uh, members of the public mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. that might be a place for something like that. Um, did any other committee members, did that, did um, the explanation there spark any other thoughts? I think maybe I was trying to look up the old general plan so that I could see exactly what was included in there, um, but that is helpful. Committee, committee member Houston? You're muted, committee member Houston. Okay. I believe that the last uh, general plan, because I had asked about this before, and it, it, we didn't have a separate historic preservation element, but it was intended to be throughout the document. Um, so I'm glad you asked what would be in the element. And, and I think I'd rather wait till the end of the presentation um, to comment on that. But thank you for asking because I was wondering that too. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and then if I don't see any other comments here, I think we'll let you continue and then we'll circle back. Um, I do have another, an additional comment as well, but I think maybe best um, after you proceed. Thank you. Um, so now I want to spend a few minutes just going over what we have heard from the community so far. Um, and um, and at the end of my presentation, it would be great to hear from all of you if you have additional thoughts uh, on, on what 
to add to what's already been uh, been identified as opportunities or um, or challenges. Um, next slide, please. Um, the survey and the initial meetings have resulted in some common themes that I'll briefly overview. And these are organized by assets, challenges or threats, and opportunities. Um, the strengths include the city's natural setting along the coast and uh, access to nature, and the small town feel um, and its authentic character. Um, the walkable downtown, and uh, which has a great mix of activities. And the city's charming neighborhoods with historic buildings and a mix of architectural styles also contribute to this authentic character and the city's uh, blue collar roots. There's also strong community support for uh, preserving open space and uh, agri agricultural preservation, which also is a part of the city's uh, origin. Next slide, please. There is, however, increasingly a tension between growth and maintaining the community's character. And while there's acknowledgement that the that Ventura, like the rest of the state and even the nation, is in dire need for more housing, especially affordable housing, there are some concerns about how new growth can be accommodated uh, due to impacts on infrastructure, especially water supply. There, may, there are also concerns about quality of life issues, including traffic, uh, high cost of living, and, and the aging community. Uh, other concerns include um, the lack of diversification of the city's economic base and increasing threats from climate change um, with regard to wildfires and uh, sea level rise. Next slide, please. There are several opportunities, though, for the future. Um, and with regard to housing, land use, and mobility, um, there are spe specific locations where growth is considered acceptable, uh, and this is on vacant or underutilized sites or along commercial corridors. And there's also the desire to see complete neighborhoods um, that contain amenities near, near or within existing residential neighborhoods. There's also an opportunity to reduce dependencies on vehicles for travel by expanding facilities for bicycles and improving transit. Um, one of the few positive results from the COVID pandemic is the acknowledgement that streets can be more than just carriers of traffic. Uh, Main Street Moves has been vitally successful and has been extended to next year already. And there's the potential for exploring how this slow street concept can be made more permanent um, in not just in downtown, but potentially in other parts of the city. There are also some uh, quality of life issues um, that can be uh, that need to be addressed by improving access to parks and open space and then pursuing strategies to bridge the digital divide. Uh, and then, of course, there are opportunities to diversify the local economy and grow the ecotourism sector and to re revitalize um, underperforming commercial areas uh, with potentially with infill housing. And then there's a lot of work to be done in terms of strengthening 
adaptation and resilience, uh, including enhanced evacuation plans as we found during the 2018 Thomas fire. Next slide, please. Um, and then briefly, I'll go over some of the next steps for, uh, for this project. Next. We have um, several uh, engagement activities coming up over the next, uh, next couple of months. Um, we have a public workshop next week, which will be a visioning workshop. Uh, and then we are continuing to meet with other commissions and committees over the next month or so. Um, with regard to your input, um, we'd love to get more input from you today, and then we'll be back with the policy framework and then a review of the in, in the winter, and then uh, the review of the general plan document, including the historic preservation element on uh, the following year. Next slide, please. I'll pause again for questions, and then we had some questions for you to spark our discussion. If you wanted to go to the next slide, Nella. I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, why don't the committee we, might have. Um, thank you so much. Why don't we, if anyone has any questions they'd like to, or comments they'd like to get out right now before we move into the discussion questions. Um, that would be great. Um, committee member Houston. Do you anticipate um, a discussion at GPAC specifically about historic preservation and when might that be? Um, thank you for that question. Um, yes, we definitely anticipate uh, doing a deep dive with the GPAC on historic preservation. Um, we don't have an exact date yet, but we uh, anticipate it will be sometimes in the fall, uh, most likely October. Uh, but please don't hold me to that date. Um, I'll also um, want to mention is that over the next uh, several months all the way through uh, the rest of this this year, we'll be holding educational forums on several topics so we can get, um, and so those, those forums can serve as two purposes. One is to provide additional information to the community that one may not be able to get to in a, in a single workshop because the topic of a general plan is so wide and, and encompassing. So. Uh, over the next six months or so, we'll have separate uh, educational forums tied in with the GPAC to hold um, more detailed discussions on, on on each of these. And we expect that in the October or the fall meeting, um, there'll be educational forum and a GPAC meeting on historic preservation. Thanks. Committee member Mercer or Mueller, did either of you have any comments or questions at this point? Not at okay. I had a random question. I saw in um, one of the most recent slides the um, something about underperforming commercial areas 
maybe redeveloping those into housing. I was just curious, is that targeting like things like mall malls, for example? I'm just kind of curious about that. I've heard of a lot of communities doing things like that. So I was just curious if that's what that was in reference to. Um, certainly that is something that's on the, on the table, but it's also along commercial corridors where there mm -hmm. might be underutilized retail. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Um, I have a few other comments, but I think maybe they'd be best um, couched within the discussion questions. So we can move on to those. Okay. Committee member so Mueller. Well, thank you. As part of the discussion uh, questions, uh, on uh, on the list of assets and challenges, uh, and you know, it was just mentioned a minute ago, um, I do think a challenge is going to be the rebalancing of uh, retail space in our commercial corridors, uh, as opposed to maybe uh, more and less expensive housing. Uh, now, this isn't um, a short-term problem. Uh, we don't know what is in the future, really. Uh, but it would seem that, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a, a big challenge in uh, trying to utilize the uh, commercial real estate uh, and while at the same time, uh, you know, we have uh, homeless challenges. So I guess my question is, is uh, and, and it relates back to the comment a minute ago, um, you know, is this going to be added to a list of challenges? Uh, is it considered premature or or is this something that we should be actively looking at? Um, the, the list that we have presented here um, that I just described is a preliminary list. And as we are continuing our engagement with the community, it's, it's continuing to be flushed out and added to. Uh, and all this information will, will go into developing the vision and guiding principles um, for the general plan and then the actual elements as we go through our work will, uh, will play, this input will play a role in the development of the alternatives and, and then in following that goals and policy. So the input you give, uh, give, give us today here will be uh, folded into that larger uh, discussion. Um, in terms of the discussion questions, um, I'm not sure if there's a specific format we should be taking, but um, I think the second one, what specific issues related to historic preservation should the general plan update address? Um, I think that's something that we can really contribute to. Um, I think that we wanna make sure we're promoting historic preservation in general um, and that we're promoting adaptive reuse of buildings versus demolition of buildings. I know that there's a lot of development pressure right now. And so sometimes um, the tendency is to wanna just get rid of something. But the fact of the matter is that there's also a lot of opportunity for adaptive reuse in the city. So I think that's important. Um, I'm wondering if design guidelines in in particular areas where there are historic resources and definitely where there are districts, if that's something that would be 
maybe a uh, a recommendation that would be included in a general plan. I'm not exactly sure if that's an appropriate place for it, but, um, and if any committee members want to jump in, um, but that's, that. those are just some of my preliminary thoughts on things that we, we would, uh, one of the other things I guess I, I might like to mention is that um, I'd like to see some thought or effort put towards I mean, there's a lot of ideas about how historic preservation is actually um, very environmentally friendly because you are not creating more waste in a landfill by um, demolishing structures and you're not um, create, necessitating new materials to be produced. And so preservation is actually a very uh, quote unquote, green concept. And I don't know if, if you've worked in any other communities that have tried to integrate that idea into a general plan and kind of, I don't know, it seems to me it's it's like a cross section between historic preservation planning and then like the climate action. I feel like it touches all of those things. I'm not sure where the appropriate place for some of those, something like that to be integrated would be, but it's just a general thought I have of of a way that we could frame historic preservation in a in a positive light also for the environment. Have you seen that in yeah, any other communities? I'm just curious. Uh, I actually haven't seen that. And uh, I don't know if Christine is still on, on the phone um, or on, on the call, um, but, and she may have had that experience a little bit more than I have, but I, I the concept you describe is is not uncommon, and I think it's certainly one of the way we can frame historic preservation in both the uh, the goals, um, but also in the guiding principles that we uh, develop for the for guiding the entire process. Great, uh, Committee Member Mueller. Well, I'd like to follow up on that a little bit. Uh, I concur. I would hope the general plan uh, provides a strong, cohesive statement about the importance of historic preservation. You know, we have the weather and we have the beach, but after that, you know, the historic communities rates very high on the list of what's uh, desirable and what's an asset. And, uh, you know, we wanna remain a community that is predisposed towards historical preservation rather than, you know, uh, let's not get down and put up something made of cement. Um, and I, I, it sounds, I haven't read the previous general plan, but it sounds like uh, historical preservation got, uh, you know, mixed in with a lot of other issues. And uh, so I guess my, um, my input would be that, uh, you know, if there can be a, a strong uh, standalone uh, section or statement about historical preservation and its importance to the assets of our community, uh, you know, that should be, uh, you know, part of what's given to the council. Thank you for your comment. Committee member Houston. I would concur with, I would concur with um, Vice Chair Frizzell's recommendation about design guidelines. And that's something I think I sort of have a wish list here and whether this fits into the the um, framework of what a historic preservation ordinance 
contains or not, um, you can take it as you will. Um, so all of the things that Stephen Schaefer mentioned in his previous comments about revising the city ordinance, um, adopting the both the historic context and the survey, the previous surveys and this ongoing survey. Um, let's see. Um, another thought I've had recently is uh, some sort of, not necessarily the National Trust's Main Street program, but I think a Main Street program, particularly for Midtown, um, which is probably because that's the area I'm most familiar with, it would be something really useful mainly to upgrade how the properties look and make them more attractive. And it's not a big cost thing, but it, it unifies, it's sort of like a business improvement district almost, uh, but it, it gets people to come there by making the, the properties more interesting. And, and we do have some really interesting historic properties, retail properties in, on mid, in Midtown along Main Street. Um, another thing is that we should maintain the Mills Act and if there are any other incentives for historic preservation, um, try to incorporate those as well. Uh, potentially adding a professional preservation planner to the city planning staff. And I agree about historic preservation and sustainability. And I think that sustainability is a good argument for preserving historic resources. And I think we're gonna have, I, I think that historic preservation is a good tool, a good tool, and I don't want it to be an argument against um, in jail construction and building where we need to build because we do have a housing issue and we definitely need to address that. And I think the problem is gonna be with scale and density and people are very protective of their neighborhoods here in Ventura and they are kind of, you know, um, low scale, low density neighborhoods. So once you start talking about adding two or three story apartment buildings or other kinds of structures in these neighborhoods, people get freaked out. But it can be done sensitively and it, it does need to be done, but that's gonna be something that's gonna have to be weighed throughout the process. I think that's all I have. Committee member Mercer, I see you. <laughs> Sorry, again, I'm, I will get used to scrolling, I promise. <laughs> You're That's over okay. on the right. While I, waiting, <laughs> while, while I was waiting, some other members sort of um, uh, spoke to my point, but uh, I think a big issue for me, because we are in the process of um, uh, uh, identifying historic districts, as that is happening, we have a lot of infill going on. And I don't think that historic preservation cannot be intertwined with other elements of the general plan, but it also must stand alone. 
and um, be better defined. Because I think with historic districts and and infill and and um, what's being built around them, the districts, the historic districts, have to be um, considered as far as design, size, and everything else when new structures are built close to them, so that it's cohesive. Um, not a copy, but but cohesive and plan. So, yeah, start preservation. We do need our own section within the general plan, but we can't be separated from the design review, and we can't be separated from uh, um, reuse of materials and places and buildings either. I'm furiously jotting down all these thoughts. <laughs> there, um, sorry, Simran, I'm going to jump in. Does the committee have any um, topics or, or added information on the first bullet point of do you think there's any missing items from the list of assets and challenge, challenges we should be aware of? to add to or emphasize that we have gathered from the community up Can until we, this point. Is it possible to see sure. that slide again? Yeah. Yeah, let me scroll through those. Thank you. And while Neda is doing that, um, I just wanted to briefly mention during the earlier discussion on the historic um, resources context statement and the survey, um, the issue of uh, reaching out to the tribes came up and I wanted to also let you all know as a part of the general plan, uh, we do have uh, consultations with all the Native American tribes in the area. Um, and this is a requirement through both AB 52 and SB 18 and that, that will be uh, occurring as a part of that process. Great, thank you. Okay, let's start with the opportunities, if that works for everybody, or the um, the assets, maybe. The first slide you were on, yes. Okay, so do we see anything that is missing from this list in terms of assets? I'm glad that the historic buildings made an appearance on that list. And these are from, these are actually, this is community input, correct? So these things came That's out of right. the, okay. That's what we heard at, through the survey, through the community councils, um, and also um, with the, through the stakeholders, the, the city council and, uh, and the community council. So a broad array of groups. Great. Committee member Mercer. Yes, um, I'm a little bit surprised that I'm not seeing any mention of Ventura Harbor within the assets. I know it's just a part of Ventura, but again, it's, um, it, it talks about beaches and mountains, but it doesn't talk about um, a strong area with another recreational facility. 
Yeah, I, I should note that this is a very brief summary and, um, you know, some places like Ventura Harbor were mentioned, but uh, in order for brevity's sake, we summarize these at a very high level, but we'll make a note of that and double check that um, Ventura Harbor is mentioned if it all isn't already. Committee member Houston. I was just going to mention, and this may be in your, your bigger list, uh, but biking opportunities for biking and hiking. Um, Ventura is becoming much more bike friendly. I mean, these are the things I think of the assets of Ventura as well. So um, I'm not, nothing comes to mind that's, that's really missing for me. I mean, it's, it's the architecture, the small town feel, the beach, the view of the Channel Islands, all those things. And um, the historic portions of our community greatly contribute to you know, the charming nature, the small town feel, all these things. So I think um, I don't have much to comment on here. Did anyone else have any comments? Committee member Mercer? Would educational opportunities be appropriate to mention in this section? Um, could you expand on your, on that thought? Um, do you mean listing some of the re educational resource, resources that are already there in the community as assets? Uh, what we already have. Of course, we can make a note of that. And if no one has any additional comments, I think we can move on to challenges. Thank you. Okay, so we're looking for challenges and threats. And I think the one that's bolded is the one that comes to mind for me most strongly there's definitely tensions there between the demand i know especially with the um mandates from the state there's a real strong emphasis on high density development and it i people definitely perceive it as threatening the the character of the city uh committee member Mueller. Well, I think uh, the transportation section uh, should be emphasized as well. Um, I'm a uh, veteran of commuting the 101 to uh, the San Fernando Valley, uh, you know, for for a long time. And, uh, you know, every year it seems to have gotten worse. Um, the 101 is, in fact, our only viable main artery in and out of the county. Um, if you've ever been in the other side of uh, Thousand Oaks when the uh, entire 101 got shut down, you realize there's really not much you can do. Anyway, um, I think uh, 
you know, some sort of emphasis on mass transit for the long term uh, would uh, would would speak to this uh, threat. And, uh, you know, I think we could increase the train service that we have and we could uh, maybe add uh, some light rail. <clears throat> I think there are things that can be done to, you know, to mitigate that. Otherwise, as the county grows, the congestion is only going to increase. Yeah, I live, um, I live on the west side of town. And so I, um, I don't drive anywhere anymore. But when I used to drive, uh, you know, around the 33 in, uh, on and off ramp off Ventura Avenue, it's such crazy congestion. And I know the community in that area is very concerned about it, because that is an area where we have a lot of opportunity for infill development. And it seems that the traffic, I don't think anybody, real. I won't say anybody, but I don't think a lot of people oppose the infill development up in that area because there, there is, there's an opportunity for it there. And it's somewhat more appropriate than in other areas of the city. But I think the traffic issue in that area specifically is um, really prominent already. And so it's hard to imagine how we would accommodate hundreds of more you know, residents in that area without some other forms of transportation. I envision a light rail eventually up Ventura Avenue. That's my plan. So <laughs> if you can make that happen, that'd be great. <laughs> we'll make a note of it. Improved transit is something we really did hear uh, about a lot from a lot of different folks. So I think you're right on there. Committee member Mercer. Uh, yes, there limited parking options is listed. However, I want to make sure that that's um, not just in retail areas where people are shopping, but also um, in residential areas. And I think that includes many of the newer developments. I know that they have to allow for a certain number of cars per unit or size of unit, but I think it's often not sufficient. And they're in areas where say somebody has somebody coming over for dinner, good luck with the parking. Um, so parking in residential and commercial areas, I'd say. I'll make a note of that. Okay. Uh, committee member Mueller. Well, I, I might be in disagreement with one of my esteemed colleagues but I do think educational opportunities, higher educational opportunities are a little thinner on the ground in Ventura County than they are say uh, in Los Angeles or Santa Barbara. Um, we uh, have finally the uh, uh, Cal State Channel Island, uh, which uh, was a long time uh, coming. And, you know, apart from Cal Lutheran and Ventura College and Moorpark College and, and so on, uh, it's been mostly, um, that we've been limited in uh, in higher education. Now, I don't know that that needs to be an item in the general plan. Most people 
travel to college in, from this town. Uh, and uh, all of my kids went to community college. It's, it's a great asset. Um, but, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to travel uh, for uh, a full four-year education. You're going to have to get in the car and go somewhere. So that, you know, that might be worth uh, thinking about as a challenge. It strikes me that a lot of these, I'm just circling back to thinking about historic preservation a little bit. So really the one on here that relates directly to historic structures is the tension between growth and community character. So I think that's prevalent. Um, are there any other challenges that we see um, specifically related to Historic preservation. Um, that could be addressed here. Thank you, uh, committee uh, member Mueller said this earlier, but uh, the impact to historic resources from climate change. Mm -hmm something that could be uh, noted separately as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, if we don't have anything further here, Netta, would you mind bringing us back to the um, discussions? What was the last question there? Okay. How do you define a successful update process and a successful general plan? For me, I'm going to say if the community is engaged, that's the most important thing. And it sounds like you guys are doing a lot to engage the community. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. It's the plan for the people that live here so and others, but um, those who enjoy this place. So um, that's the most to me, that's the key to a successful update process and a successful general plan. I see committee member Mercer nodding. Did anyone else want to jump in? Seeing none. Did anyone want to comment on any any of these? I think we did. Um, we we covered number two in some level of detail, and I I did want to circle back after. Um, Committee member Houston spoke. Definitely, I agree that if it's possible to put in there as goals to adopt the surveys, that's huge. That's a really big one. And an ordinance update would definitely be a priority, I think, that we would all love to see. Um, um, I had a follow up question with regard to that. Um, with regard to the ordinance update, um, is what specifically on, are your thoughts on on what aspects of the ordinance need to be updated? Um, right now, the ordinance does not include a an um, integrity requirement, mm -hmm. and um, so that's something we might want to consider. I believe, in some form. Um, 
and it might be worth considering the point of interest criteria, I believe. Um, those are the first two things that come to mind for me. Um, committee member Houston. Um, bringing the criteria more into alignment with the state and national register criteria. And I think defining our duties uh, or the duties of the committee better. Committee member Mueller. Well, I think it's important to remember that uh, the uh, eligibility requirements and the integrity requirements are going to be in review uh, by our, you know, our historical uh, survey. And uh, since that's part uh, of the general plan team, then um, I, I think it's just important to know that their input on that should be uh, taken in terms of, uh, you know, solidifying or changing the ordinance to comply. Yeah, you raise a really good point, um, Committee Member Mueller. Uh, the recommendations that come out of the historic survey report and from the the technical consultant, those can be incorporated at a high level as goals and policies in the preservation element. Um, the detail continues to res reside in those documents, but the general plan then can, at a high level, um, provide that same direction for uh, council and uh, other commissions and committees as they review uh, projects in the future. Great. Um, one more comment for me is just, I don't know if it if it's really the appropriate place would be the general planner. I know this came up when we spoke with HRG earlier, but um, potentially the use of uh, historic preservation overlay zones is uh, an area we might want to consider if it's appropriate for our city. I mean, there's um, usually different integrity or different requirements for those overlay zones and I think there's portions of Ventura that might not be appropriate, might not meet high enough integrity thresholds to be a district, but would be a potential conservation overlay zone or a historic preservation overlay zone that could, and that could have impacts on future development in those areas and kind of dictate that a little bit or, or be part of that development process if, if something like that were in place. So, um, it's not really a fully formulated recommendation, but I just think it might be an area that it would be appropriate to look into. Definitely, and thank you for bringing that up by Chair Porzell. Um, you know, as we go through this process uh, and get additional feedback from the community, we'll also continue with our analysis and begin to look at alternatives uh, for different portions of the city. Um, we'll keep in mind uh, your suggestion to consider on conservation overlay zones or historic uh, 
Welcome. Yeah, and I believe as, as came up earlier, I believe the West Side um, survey recommended multiple on that side of town. Um, so just something to also look at. Okay. Committee members have any other comments? Um, I assume that maybe we have some um, public members of the public that would like to speak. We do. Uh, we have two. We'll start with Stephen Schaefer. Stephen, you've been unmuted. Your time begins now. Uh, hello, I'd like to make this comment and I've put this into the chat so that you don't have to take frantic notes. Um, I'd like to make this comment on the general plan from the San Buenaventura Conservancy for Historic Preservation for the EIR administrative record. So suggested mitigations for the general plan EIR. One, adoption, not just creation, of the historic survey and context and the previous stories. Uh, surveys should also be adopted. Two, an update of the outdated historic preservation ordinance to bring it into alignment with California Register of Historic Resources. Number three, continued use of the professional guidance of the HPC as an appointed body. Number four, a design guideline that respects historic resources, incentivizes adaptive reuse, and requires massing and design compatibility inventory's downtown core to protect history and acknowledge that downtown has the highest concentration of resources and is commercially and economically successful because of its historic and authentic context. Five, hiring a preservation planner with training that meets the Secretary of the Interior's qualifications to staff the HPC and deal with historic resources in our 155-year-old city. These are feasible mitigations to ensure the general plan does not create significant adverse impacts under CEQA and should be included to ensure no adverse impacts are created. An adverse, an adaptive reuse incentive ordinance has been used in Los Angeles to great success. So, okay, now this is off the administrative record. So for content, for context, the unintended consequence of a 2005 infill first general plan was pressure on our historic downtown with incompatible density. The general plan intent should make clear that development, housing, and infill are good, but that eroding the hook of historic downtown and historic midtown are not what the citizens of Ventura want. Incentivizing development outside of the historic districts is the environmentally superior approach. Developing around the east end, along the freeway, underutilized parcels along the Victoria Corridor, Telephone Road Corridor, or behind the Auto Center. The San Buenaventura Conservancy would like to participate in the general plan plot process wherever possible. Thank you. That's all. Our next speaker will be Trevor Gotsman. Trevor, you've been unmuted. Your time begins now. Thank you. Good evening, everybody, again. Um, and once again, thank you all. Um, yes, um, I think one of the assets, the missing assets, are our latent volunteer corps. Um, there are a huge number of us, I think, uh, if, if motivated somehow, can offer our time and service. And uh, the way I see it is that I see our city as a giant university campus. 
and I put this also in the chat, it's just a brief thing, just a vision I've always had, that this is a place where it's, it's a community where we all have skills and abilities that we can all learn from each other and help each other and support each other on. And so if we look at it in that way, at your favorite university campus where we're all students, assistants, professors, administrators, lectures are held in any public forum, and think of it in those broad terms in a way. And I, you know, this is how I speak in very broad terms, but at the same time, we know the detail and the importance of doing things, uh, being really know what we're doing and understanding, but this is what leads to it when we understand and know, and then we can confidently go forward and do what is necessary. So, um, and that was basically it, because to me, the success, I think HP, the, um, the historic preservation should be respected in the general plan, as everybody um, agrees, it seems that success is, to me, is high community involvement and leading to full community involvement. The outcome is the outcome, whatever the outcome is, We've got to deal with it. And that's once we can face each other, deal with each other face to face, that's when we got success. And I see it. And that's when we really, and you can imagine going back to university and we're all back at university right now. So, and I, you know, I live in an historic home. I intend opening this place up as a community center of sorts. And this is all the stuff that I speak of. I intend showing and applying somehow. So this is, you know, I, I'm here for the long haul, so to speak, and I believe in what I say. So, and I stand for what I believe and I've been thrown into this. So I appreciate everybody here and I'm at your service. So much appreciated and good night. Thank you. All right, we have uh, one more person requesting to speak and cede their time. Sherry, you've been unmuted. I don't think he needs my time. Oh, okay. Thank you. Is there anything you have? Um, no, I concur with who've already all spoken. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, that completes our public speakers for the evening. Mr. Preserve, you, you are muted. Thank you. <laughs> um, I believe we are at this point ready to move forward. Thank you to the members of the public that spoke. Um, and we don't have, we're not taking any action on this item. Um, so we can go ahead and move forward to our staff communication. Um, are there any committee members that would like to report on any, I'm sorry, this is my first time on this, guys, reading the script. Um, does staff have any items they would like to report to committee members or the public? Thank you, Vice Chair Brazil, committee members. No staff updates on our part. We just thank you so much for your feedback tonight. I know that was a lot of information to throw at you all at the same time, but uh, we thought it was important to talk about both of those pieces together because of how they interrelate to each other. And so we'll try moving forward to do that as much as we can um, so that uh, we're not missing synchronicity there. And we'll provide you updates as the public outreach components take more shape um, and as uh, restrictions are lifted and we start to do things more in person, 
We'll make sure to let you know of that and forward on any workshops or community engagement that may interest this committee to participate in. Um, there'll be a lot of activity going on in the next couple of months uh, regarding this, the first of which is next Thursday is a community workshop for the general plan. Um, did forward that link and information to the committee should you be interested in attending or want to send that on to anybody else to participate in. Uh, and then in May, we will have an educational forum, as Simran was talking about earlier for the general plan, and uh, we'll forward that information on to the committee as well. Um, and that's all staff has this evening. Great. Um, it occurs to me that all these community meetings would be an amazing time to be getting out the word that we have two vacancies on our committee. So just putting that out there. If any of you guys attend or staff spread the word. Sure. Uh, we'll also bring that up to our GPAC um, yeah. that's made up of a wide range of people and see if we can spread the word there as well. Okay, great. And if no one has anything else, I will declare the meeting adjourned. Have a nice evening. Thank you, everyone. Have a good, good evening. Thank you.